It's Season 2, Episode 4 of Rambling Ambos. As always, the opinions and ideas of those on the show are their own. They do not reflect any service or organisation they may be associated with. Coming up on today's episode. A famous Australian lifeguard joins the panel to share his journey as a firefighter, an author, and his time patrolling the world's most iconic beach. Plus, it's those spine-tingling situations we've all been in. We each share our scariest moment on the job. And it's another case conundrum in the clinical corner. We talk about the priorities and management of patients trapped in an MVA from a paramedic and rescue perspective. Remember to like us on Facebook and Instagram, but all this and much more is coming up now. Hello, welcome back to the latest instalment of Rambling Ambos. My name's Carl, Jen. Hello. Hello again. Uh, hey, how you doing? Yeah, good. And Lee, you're back. I am indeed. You're Wouldn't hard to get it. rid of. What, what, why? Why would I go? <laughs> no, no. Where didn't. am I going to go? We, we, we can't afford to lose you, to be honest. Um, but guys, uh, an exciting show coming up today. Uh, we've got a special guest coming on a little bit later. Really excited about this. It's our first guest with an official blue tick <gasps> on their Instagram. And we didn't Which even get to preview it last no. episode. Like this has all happened in between episodes. Yeah. 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 So look, no one knows. Can't wait to introduce uh, him to you guys very soon. But look, to kick things off like we always do, we've got a caller statement here. And um, the caller statement today, we don't know what ex- is exactly wrong with this patient, uh, but they've given the paramedics a warning uh, before entering the home. Well, that's nice I, of them. No, Isn't it? No, no, I feel like warnings are always a bad sign. No, warnings are great. Well, look, listen to this. It's a, a male in his 70s, uh, and this is what the warning read. It said, patient lives on a dairy farm in the main house. Crew to be careful as a pet peacock has pooped <laughs> near the front door. <laughs> so wait, so this, this, this person's <laughs> potentially dying, <laughs> yeah. but their main concern is ensuring that the paramedics don't slip on peacock Poo. How kind is that? That's very kind. Isn't that? Have you had any? Have you had any warnings before going into a job before? Oh, like any any heads head. up? I've had one where yeah. I've gone into. Um, it was a it was a patient that we're going to go see. Well, obviously, a patient, <laughs> a pediatric patient. Um, and anyway, the notes were like, "Please keep noise to a minimum when yeah. walking down the yeah. hallway. D- don't want to disturb patient siblings. Well, oh, I've had that, but don't want to wake the patient up. It's like, yeah. if they're asleep, how bad uh, can it be? I don't think we're required. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we've got another one too. Uh, a, a lady in her 70s uh, this time, and the caller statement is a cat attack. The neighbour was a cat attacked by a stray cat. The offending animal has been locked up. Oh, good. Yeah. Those offenders not still on scene <laughs> at large. No, the uh, offender is certainly no longer at large. But um, look, guys, talking about someone who does have experience with cats up trees is today's guest. From rescuing people from burning buildings as a firefighter, he's also an author and founder of Live, Learn, Survive. But you'd probably know him from patrolling Australia's most iconic beach. Would you please welcome from Bondi Rescue... Maxi, the lifeguard, mate. Maxi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. It's good to be here. No, mate, it's great. I'm so excited. I've been fangirling since I've been in year <laughs> nine or ten about... Well, we are the same age, mate, yeah, so well, know, we probably we just, cross paths maybe yeah. at schoolies or something. Who knows? Oh, I didn't make it to schoolies. <laughs> Wasn't that cool? But uh, <laughs> anyway, in the same room with you now, that's... Yeah, um, no, nah, it's great. It's great to be fun. here and um, thank you for having me. Oh, mate, this is awesome. Now, um, look, there's so much that I guess we want to talk to you about. Um, your lifeguarding with Bondi Rescue, um, your, your firefighting and, and also this program that you've got, but... Um, Mate, f- 
firstly, I just want to say, I don't know how you do what you do because as a paramedic, I've done two beach jobs uh, in yeah. my career and I bloody hated yeah, them. Too much sand them. in too the Too much sand. <laughs> Always it gets hot. everywhere. Yes. Gets everywhere. Uh, yes. Yeah. Boiling hot. I'm someone that likes a clean environment. So I like to, you know, set all my equipment up, yeah. uh, buy it next yeah. to the patient. And then next minute you're getting sand in the middle of the Goodell and it's oh, going right. and it's a bit it's of sandpaper down the... You also yeah, strike right. me as a very pale person, you know, don't like the <laughs> sun. Well, no. I, I like Speechless. <laughs> <laughs> but just perhaps not so much the beach. But um, we yeah. are in the middle of winter, Jen. Anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, um, no, it's, um, it's yeah, can, I've had a number of jobs with paramedics on the beaches. And, yeah, uh, yeah a lot of the time you see them walk on the sand with their boots. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as Maybe. a fiery, I know how, how hard it is to walk with boots Maybe most of the time. Maybe that's an exception, so. you know, we can take our boots off. Well, you reckon we can get some well, ambo well, Pretty much. I reckon you guys should because the, we're getting around in boardies yeah, and you guys got your full good. gear yeah. on. There are, others, there are other services in this great country of ours that get to wear shorts. I've seen I that. I think we should have ambo speedos. I don't think I'd be... <laughs> oh, budgies. Just yeah. ambo budgies. Budgies, why not? And smuglets. <laughs> smuglets. For the girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just whip off the uniform when they're underneath. Just a rapid response yeah. to the beach. Yeah. Ready to go. Well, uh, Maxie, I want to I want to hear about uh, Bondi Rescue because yep. there is so much to unpack here. I feel like, firstly, how did they film it? And and because often you see there's a, a, a well, there has to be a cameraman yeah. in the water, right? Yep, yep. Filming this person who's being rescued. Did they ever step in and help? What's yeah, the story so there? It's uh, well, seventeen years it's been going for, and a lot of people don't realise is that majority of the show is filmed off GoPros. And oh, GoPros. Oh, GoPros. Yeah, right. yeah, so there's about 30 to 40 GoPros rolling um, all day, every day, which is from December all the way to the end of Feb. Yeah, right. And uh, they have crew down there that, you know, check out the cameras. If there's any action that's happening between the hours, yeah. they take it and then they take it to their office and do whatever they do to make the show. Uh, but whenever something major happens, they have an actual crew with like the boom and the, yes. the big camera that comes out and, uh, and, you know, follows what we do. Yeah, right. Um, but f- to answer your question, um, you hardly reckon, you don't really see them there. I know it sounds mm. really weird to say, but we, yeah, as, as Amber, as you'd know, when you're in the zone, yeah. you, but as you're doing the viewer, the you do, you sort of oh. see this yeah. person drowning. Yeah. Like, just grab the yeah, camera. Yeah, just grab them. Yeah, so they actually, <laughs> back in the day, they, yeah. they did have a camera guy that jumped in the rip and like get out there and just kind of, and there's yeah, been right. times where he had to grab someone or yeah. hold up to hold them up. But now it's just GoPros. Yeah, so right. they, um, I mean, you know, the front of the board or the back of the board, you could see us paddling to the yeah. patient. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, it's 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 a funny one. But yeah, I just would find it hard trying to rescue someone and noticing Scuba Steve next to oh, you. Yeah. His little camera it's filming like, everything. It's that's like that's going to a car accident and cool. someone knowing that they're, they're ah, not yeah, so true. much trapped, but yeah. they're there filming yeah. to get the fires of the embos oh, to come. Well, to. It's like it's 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 a weird situation, but yeah, they've they've they managed to get away with it for yeah. seventeen years. So, yeah. Um, is yeah. any of it ever scripted? Yeah, well, no. <laughs> nothing, no, no, nothing's, uh, all the rescues are real. And uh, the way I explain mm. it to you is because you've got 23 minute episodes and you've mm. got ads in between that. So, of course, people go, oh, how do you rescue that person so quick? Or it doesn't kind of marry mm. up to mm. different days and different weathers. Uh, but yes. because there's only so much they can fit into an episode, so they do a lot of cutting. Yeah. Um, so there's one answer. Mm. But when it comes to the scripts, scripted stuff it's probably one of the only shows that isn't scripted because yeah. we're at the end of the day we're just council workers we're lifeguards yeah we're not you the, know the uh, poached. There, we're though. not yeah like the band, the band, yeah. band we're not poached by um nida to to do a <laughs> you know i didn't finish i finished school in year 10 and i started lifeguarding and then was i was st- lifeguarding um 
the camera crew just rocked in one day and started filming. There was, yeah. I think it was episode, uh, season, season two. Oh, I right. fell in your yeah. lap, hey? Fell in my lap. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of people don't realize, like, oh, I've got no, you know, it's uh, it's not like when when you say it like that. Um, but to the answer you to question with not so much script, it's more like the pranks and stuff and not the banter. Yeah. Like they do a lot of behind the scenes, like planning for that. Right. But yeah. for me, I've always been the one that's been pranked. Oh. Yeah. So like I've never <laughs> been in on it. So I'm always <laughs> like, oh, this is this is bullshit. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, yeah. What about like what about um? Do they have to rescue someone and then go and get a, like a release yeah. form from them? Yeah, um, sometimes. Oh, yeah. I know it's 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 you, it's good questions because a lot of the overseas tourists they they say to camera their name, their age, and where they're from. Yeah. I think that's enough because it's yeah. in a public place. Yeah, I think right. they get away with it. Um, and there's been times where I've worked with the Ambos and they're like, oh, you know, they filmed today, we don't want to be on it, which is sweet. They they respect um, other services yeah, and sure. stuff yeah, like okay. that. But um, it actually there's a there's a loophole for them because it's in a public place and they pay the council a fee. So um, we don't get paid for the show. Yeah, we, yeah. we're is just lifeguards. Right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we don't right. get anything. So a lot of people don't realise is that the fee that the Bono Rescue pay is goes to the council. It gives them um, right, you know, yeah. uh, permission to yeah. film in a public place. Yeah. So that's how it kind of their 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 way around it. But a lot of the time they still put the situation up. Um, they just blur the person out. So for example, it's a bit of a funny one. Um, Everyone's familiar with North Bondi up the rocks there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of swimmers one day with their dogs on on off the rocks. As uh, one of these mates went to jump off the rock, his dog latched onto his, you know oh, what, no. and degloved it. Oh, you're, you're joking. And no, no yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, this is very, very <laughs> early in the podcast. But, this is great. But um, yeah, and he he was like, no, you're so embarrassed. Like, you know, it was quite damaging. And he came yep. to the lifeguard town. I was on that day and I remember him running up the promenade like holding his shorts oh out my gosh. and we all had a look and it was like it was horrific He's um, i still have memories of the soddy or one of the one of the paramedics coming oh in going geez. it's one of the worst things i've seen yeah. wow. anyway yeah. to answer the question of um blurring people out he yeah. refused to you know to yeah, be because he was a local his, guy that's not good for his was, public yeah profile, he was very he was yeah. very nervous that yeah. you know people were you know whatever people but they actually they blurred on. his face out so they still bl- if doesn't matter what the situation is, they just blow your face yeah, out. Yeah, sure. So, okay. Okay, yeah. interesting, interesting. But yeah, that's a, that's just one of many yeah. stories that I've come across. Oh, yeah, <laughs> wow. I guess that's a good segue to to other medical emergencies that you've had on the beach. Have you had to respond to many, like, significant medical emergencies? Yeah, yeah. So um, we look after the, the the beach and we also look after the park area and we're getting up to forty to 50,000 people on the beach yeah. at any given time <laughs> pre-COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when you got the events like City to Surf, you get up to 100,000 plus. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's, as you know, sometimes the Ambos, you know, uh, are d- busy elsewhere um, and we have to go up and respond to up on Campbell Parade or, mm. you know, around the rocks. You know, we go to and the And is that Gap just someone bit. running over to the tower being like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah. something's we'll happening help over us. here. Can you come and... Yep. And we, a hand, yeah. yeah, and we just go running up and with our defib and our mm. me- medic kit and a lot of the calls do you that wear, I have done. Do you wear boots when you're on gravel? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I've chased a couple of bag mm. thieves along the, the promenade. <laughs> and, uh, I've seen that episode. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, but a lot of people don't realise we do respond to around the cliffs as well. And unfortunately, we do go to a lot of a lot of uh, suicides. Mm. Uh, a lot of people don't realise that when they're in the mm. water. Yeah, right. um, when they're in the water, we assist the water police. Yeah. And uh, soddies as well if um they're needed because there's times where the police rescue go down and it's in big swell yeah, or there's yeah. currents or the rocks are slippery 
And if they fall in, we're kind of there to rescue them. So um, it's not often that we do the body retrievals. Yeah. Yeah. But and I would, have been. It wouldn't really probably make it to the show then if it's. No, nah, there has been over has in been, the years, yeah, there has yeah, been yeah. Um, cases where they've shown that kind of darker side to the job. Yeah. Um, I but, think that's yeah, important too. It, though, oh, definitely. It? Because it's, it's not always sunshine and, and um, you know, uh, watching the surf all day. You know, we d- I've, I've been to some horrific incidences. Um, but, you know, it's. I, lo- I love being a life gun. It yeah. was definitely a gateway to me becoming a firefighter too. And um, you mentioned before um, when we were chatting that you'd been a part of a bunch of resuscitations that were successful. Yeah, yeah. So I was very lucky. Um, all the ones that I've kind of dealt with um, have been drownings. Now, I've, I've been to a few suicides that we've gone to like right as they've done it and yep. then we've put it um it's actually my first day at Bronte Beaches. I was 16 years old. First day at Bronte Beaches, a lifeguard. Wow. Guy, um, was off there and yeah, got him in and we reached us. He ended up passing away a couple of days later, but right. he was clinically dead and we, yeah. we worked on him right. for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. The yeah. doctors come down with their chopper and they, they assisted and they kept us on their chest. And I, I think that was a, a, a crossroad for me being, I was, you know, I finished school in year 10, you yeah. know, here's me, all my yeah. mates are still in school doing their HSC and, you know, I'm on a beach, yeah. resusting a guy. Yeah. Like, I was kind of like an early introduction to you had to grow that, up pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. i still remember one of the senior lifeguards go mate i was i was standing back a little bit he goes come on jump on you you know you you get the experience yeah. which is kind of like you know i look back now it's like yeah, just to give you a first hand um yeah. dealt like mm. knowing that it's real and what's yeah. your um what's your level of first aid training like what what do lifeguards yep. know and then second to that i guess is do you feel like you're experienced enough or equipped enough yeah. to respond? Yeah. So we are trained by paramedics, yeah, current yeah. and past teachers. Yeah. And is it, is it, um, is it the, the accreditation? Is it like a, a first aid? I mean, I'm a bit oblivious yep. to uh, what else is out there apart from first yep. aid certificate. So senior first aid, yep. advanced resuscitation. We yep. need our jet ski certificate and we need to do our tests of mm. our swim runs and board paddling and all that sort of Actually, stuff. Actually, you know what? There is one thing about... Bondi Rescue that really has made me pretty cranky. <laughs> well, it's made our life pretty difficult, hasn't Every it? Every <laughs> single patient that we go to, oh, can we have the green whistle? Yeah. Green like whistle. Use a yeah. Bondi Rescue. Yeah. I'm like, it's not a Bondi <laughs> Rescue, mate. This is a, 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 a paramedicine yeah. piece of equipment that we used first. Has brought it to the Foxy free run. Yeah. Yeah. Foxy free run. Yeah, I've, I've, I've used that many times. Uh, but we, we do. Oh, have you? Yeah. <laughs> I've never know. actually had we to take it. that one out if you like. But yeah. um, uh, I've had to administer it a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but we have to have certificates for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With defibrillation. Or like, you know, yeah. the, we're a little bit more than just your general first aider yeah we're i reckon we're exposed a lot more during to during uh because of the amount of people that we come across have have you been in a situation where you've had more than you know one patient at the same time that were pretty critical yep so in one day it was like thirty thousand on the beach uh there was only six life we only have eight lifeguards on at any given time yeah um there was a there's a body recovery there was a spinal there was a resuscitation and there was a broken arm or leg in the skate park yeah, all within 20 yeah. minutes of each other. Yeah. Yeah. So you got two Broke guys on the jet ski doing that. You had another guy running. I was running up with Kerbox, one of the, one of the ex lifeguards and we're going to this recess and I was like 19 years old. I'm like, oh, we're on here. On and the buggy? Yeah, on the buggy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we, we just know that we had no support. Well, yeah. we, we knew that uh, paramedics were on their way and the coppers and, you know, sometimes the fires come down to help, but um, yeah, it's just you yeah, I find yourself in situations where so much goes on. You know, mm. we've I've hit the shark alarm a number of times. 
and there's oh, been okay. no shark. It's just been get everyone out of the water. Yeah. Yep. We need when there's no yeah, one on the water. There's no one oh, watching. That's such a great, uh, such a great idea. Yeah, just there's a couple of water. Hey, get guys, out. a big shark. Yeah. Well, actually, there's ten big sharks. That's why I don't go swimming yeah. because that shark alarm always goes off, and that's just. I tell you what, there's something me. about forty thousand people, and you've been in that tower and flicking the shark alarm. It is it's power exactly oh, right. I love it. And you just stand there, and you just go. Maxie's. Are you not entertained? Oh, that's great. Now, look, mate, you, you're an author and you founded this foundation, which is pretty awesome. Live, Learn, Survive. Tell us more about it. What got you into this? Yeah, so um, I thought being a lifeguard for the last uh, 16, 17 years and fiery uh, for the last six, um, I thought it was very important to create a business uh, or company called Live, Learn, Survive with my business partner, Lee Mason, who she is up in Queensland. She's based up there. Oh, yeah. And basically educate kids, water and fire safety and life skills all around Australia and around the UK. Mm. And we're starting to dab a little bit into the US market as well. A great idea. Um, mm. Yeah. So basically... We go around, before COVID, it was a lot of face-to-face stuff. I was going to schools everywhere, doing library stuff. This is before the books. Uh, and then kind of the books come along after that um, because, you know, I wanted to put pen to paper of yep. the stuff that I was educating kids yeah, in a yeah. fun educational way. And then during COVID, obviously all the face-to-face stuff kind of diminished. Yeah, and, um, yeah, tough. And I wanted to keep doing what we're doing. And I know that we have a pretty big worldwide market yeah. of people following oh, Bonner Rescue and absolutely and um and I just know that like people locked up in their homes all over the world just you know missing out on their school camps and swimming training and learning how to swim and all that sort of stuff so I actually come up with the idea of Maxi's Rescue Squad yeah so basically it's an online community where it's a fun safe place where kids can learn life skills and it's not just water and fire we talk about river safety resuscitation first aid mental health well-being um, rips, fire, you, all sorts of stuff. Do you have any like cooking shows? Because <laughs> I thought maybe you might have a bit of downtime. Yeah, I've got much downtime. The cool thing is, yeah, the cool thing is, is um, not many people are people are doing a lot of great things, but they mm. focus on the one area. Mm. I'm very lucky that as a lifeguard, as a fiery, I can kind of branch over different topics. Yeah, so yeah. the people that are in the squad uh, from all over the world, and they might not know in Germany, for example their fire safety and in England they might know not know water safety yeah. or in the middle of America in Montana or somewhere they don't know anything about rivers or dams so it's kind of catering for everyone and um, the beauty of it is is no one's really doing all of that mm. and um, the cool thing is I do all the filming myself uh, yeah, 20 right. minute episodes every month Wow! Um, I've oh, done the first awesome. I've awesome. done the first four um, already so the first one's rips second one is fire third one is river and I'm just film, finished filming the resuscitation one. Oh, sweet. That's so good how as well, we, I think. We, oh, sorry. So I was just going to say, how do we access that? Like, <laughs> how yeah. do you get onto it? How, how, how do, do I get onto it? Uh, or how do you get onto it? Yeah. yeah um, so maxisrescuesquad.com.au uh, is the website. And basically what you go in, you go in there, you sign up it, for the price of less than a coffee a week. Um, you get access to the episodes. We do a um, activity each week. Yep around that theme and we also have a live Q&A through Zoom each month for people to tune in. We send the link out and they can tune in. Um, you can download the app as well. So it's all uh, in a fun, Amazing. safe place. There's no forums or chats or correspondence yeah. on there between anyone that's in there. So it's yeah. very unique and like, um, it's kind of like a mini fun school. Yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's growing. Um, you've, you've done books. <laughs> <laughs> composed books. Yeah. The book is the only reason yeah. why I know Maxie's name is not 
Max? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trent Maxwell, yeah. yeah. yeah Trent. But um, it, it's exciting. So there's so much things that I'm, I'm doing, but I love being a full-time fiery, um, casual lifeguard. I've got other aspirations to do a, a potential another six or seven books. Yeah, right. So wow. I've got the first three that were published. That, Did you that write them? Yeah, so me and uh, the first three, me and Dave Lawrence um, partnered mm-hmm. up and uh, we got the first three published that caters for eight to 15-year-olds. Yep. And then we thought, well... Every time I was going to these these schools and libraries all around Australia and around the UK, we're getting a lot of parents that had young kids. Well, what about our young young yeah. like real young kids? Mm. So we come up with the picture book um, idea concept. So the first three Maxie's Maxie's um, Maxie the lifeguard is for yeah, yeah young, young young readers. And then I love um, that. I think it's so good as well. Yeah. Like I don't know, maybe it's just because I haven't read kids books in ages, yeah. but it's so nice to see like teaching safety and life mm. skills to kids. Like it's yeah. I, sometimes I think that kids are too young to mm. you know yeah. take anything seriously, but so it's never I'm too I'm young I'm to just, learn. I'm just so sick of Peppa Pig. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm looking for anything I'm, else. I'm very passionate on um, the whole resuscitation to teach kids resuscitation, um, even if they know the first three things, which is. DRS, which is danger response sent for help. If you yeah. do those first three things, you're potentially saving that person's life. So yeah, I really true. try and ingrain in the kids. And in my third book, when after this book, I was going to your kids. We'll, we'll, I'll talk to you about them mm. personally. But the f- best thing about the third one is it, we dabble into the doctor S A B C D. Uh, we make it not too daunting for kids. Obviously, you know, mm. uh, we kind of want to introduce them in a oh, in a fun, right. safe way. How old do you think kids need to be to learn? actual cpr i, I reckon What's the age? honestly from six from honestly from six years old yeah not so much i understand the whole compressions you know you have a third of the chest and you have to understand yeah. all that sort of thing and the whole mouth to mouth or you know all that stuff i understand that's a bit far-fetched but the first three things of checking for danger knowing mm, your surroundings knowing yeah. what's going on response yeah making sure they're not asleep you know fainting whatever yeah. Yeah. and send for help depending where you are in a public place or at home go get help call triple o so yeah, i kind of educate really kids because i feel like you hear stories i don't know like a current affair or whatever that you know <laughs> a, a four-year-old yeah. saved the mum who fainted yeah. in the shower yeah. or yeah. whatever yeah. Like have you had any of those jobs yeah triple zero heroes like yeah. you know we sort of give there's there's awards that are given out right. to, to kids who have shown great bravery in, in the face of sort of really scary things and it's, mm. it's that it's call for help which call is like help. your drs and sure like if you can do more than that fantastic i feel like i'm doing that every day when i'm at work it's cool it's it's cool and even like going into further into that is control bleeding and and knowing how to do that mm. so i had a case where there was a seven-year-old kid they got in touch with uh, uh to us through live learn survive and his mum was at a school pickup slammed the boot on her head split her head oh. open to remain a calm wrapped these uh i can't remember if it was a towel or something around the head and yep. like called the ambulance and explained to him where he, where they were yeah, so nice. like the whole location thing too like kids knowing where they are too yeah. i think it's a very big thing and the beauty of knowing that there's outdoor public defibrillators yeah. in public places, knowing one of the activities in my rescue squad is go to your local shopping center yeah. and find where it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, so you're out. ready yeah. to go. So when things, you know, it's such you know, a generational <laughs> thing, isn't it? Because I'm, you know, I'm going to get on my high horse here, Carl. <laughs> Oh, well, um, no, you got to get on it. <laughs> it's such a generational Surprise thing. it's taken this long. Well, because, you know, in some areas of the world, like in particular Clark County in Seattle, they've got such high survival rates of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest because of their public access defibrillator program. Can I say something really lame what? that Alex, like my partner and I do? Yeah. So <laughs> whenever we go to the, the shopping centre, yeah. sometimes I'll be like, all right, there's a cardiac arrest right now. Right. <laughs> Where's the defi- I mean, it's... <laughs> 
It's a, you're a good first responder yeah, if you're saying that. It's, so lame. it's not yeah, lame because it's, it's generational, it. right? If we teach Maxis yeah. out there teaching their kids how to do it, you wait in 10, 15 years, mm. this just gonna be, that's also, just going to be normal. I also say the same, all right, there's a terrorist attack right now. Where <laughs> <we're> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's it, the, the, as, as, as the job that you never want to go to, the job, job you never want to go to, I'm always thinking, like, you know, yeah. right now, bang, something yeah. happens, how, how are you reacting? Like, even oh. to the, the fine detail of I'm pulling the drawstring out of my shorts or whatever and using that as a tourniquet with oh. a twig. Like, I don't know. Very, no, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm just very like looking for my exits in this place, away <laughs> yeah. from away from the danger. <laughs> yeah, but, well, um, mate, yeah. look, it's it's an awesome program, and um, yeah, jump online if you if you want to learn more about it. Uh, but you work as a firefighter too. Now we need to touch on this. Uh, how long have you been a firefighter for? Nearly six years. Six years. Yeah. And um, what sort of what sort of training? What sort of uh, what's your uh, what's the word? Yeah. Um, how do you become like yeah. a firefighter? How, how do you become a firefighter? So it took me six years. Uh, well, it's very competitive to get a job. Yeah. Um, there's 14,000 plus applicants each year that apply for 100 jobs. Uh, wow. I started applying from the age of 18. I've always wanted to be a firefighter since I was age of two. Did you um, put your profile photos like the Max virus? No, I didn't work <laughs> for six <laughs> years. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, it's... You know, I was really persistent in getting in. Like I knew if, if yeah. I never become a firefighter, even the, you know, the Bonner Rescue and traveling around, going to Logies, doing all these cool things. The Logies. Yes. Did we no, skip over like, that? Back, back in the day, you know, like we used to do some really amazing cool things, you know, being on telly and all that sort of mm. stuff. But I, yeah. I reckon if I never achieved of becoming a firefighter, I would never have been fulfilled. Yeah, really? Right. So for me, I had to, like, it's something I had to do and I wanted to do. Did paramedicine so, ever cross your mind? No, if I didn't get in the fireys, I definitely oh, was. So will you second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. second choice. It's far easier. No, I do have a lot of respect. Um, my, uh, I've got a cousin that's in the job, and he's, you know, he, he's, I don't want to say he's high up, but yeah. he, he, he told me some great stories over the years, and really attracted the whole par- paramedic side. Mm, mm. But I've always been attracted to becoming a firefighter. Um, mm. But yeah, it took me six years. Uh, I'm always attracted to <laughs> Well, hang on. <laughs> it's, it's a good segue there. Do you get more attention from the ladies as Maxi the lifeguard or Maxi the fiery? <laughs> it's actually quite funny. Um, there's been times where I'll be driving the truck and I'll be in the middle of Market Street in the city. Of, you know, I'm just kind of give it away yeah. where I work. But uh, in the right. city of Sydney Fire Station, I'll be driving down Market Street and um, you'll be at the lights and just you have sunnies on, the windows are kind of tinted and there'll be someone walking across the road Maxie, <laughs> like, how do they? Like, how do they? How do they? How do they know? But anyway, there's been times um, where you go to fire alarms and stuff like that. Top rating TV. Yeah. <laughs> you walk through um, the concierge of a hotel and that, and you just got the security guards. As Maxie, yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of the guys have a bit of fun with it. They yeah, always say, no you know, it's his twin brother and bits and pieces. But yeah, you do get a little bit of recognition. But at the same time, um, you know, like you're there to do a job, and mm. I, I love being a fiery. It's such a passion of mine of knowing how long it took me to get in yeah um i keep getting ahead of myself uh the, the reason or well, the process of getting in is uh you apply and uh you have to do the series of two tests which is a cognitive test and you have to do an emotional intelligence test and if you get through that you get invited to the physical mm. that's like our, our yeah. process as well get through the physical so i'm pretty it's like fourteen thousand down to a thousand down yeah. to 500 500 do the physical uh, and then after the physical, pretty much it's a pass or yes or no. It doesn't matter how quick you do it. That you don't have to be the fittest person or the the least fittest person. You, if you do the time, if you do the course in the time, you, you get a tick. Yeah. Then you get invited to, and then they have a look at your resumes, and then you get invited to the interview. Yeah. And after the interview, they ask you a series of questions. Then you'd have to do another test supervised. 
So they kind of compare I hate your that test compare results to and compare stuff. if you've if you've sort of cheated then, on the yeah, first one. Yeah. yeah, and then if they get you, if you get through that, you get invited for the medical, which is still mm. like everyone goes, oh, I get the medical, I'm in. But like you know, if you have a yeah. pre-existing heart condition or something, all of a sudden like that, you got high blood pressure. Yeah, it gets, get, yeah. It gets you get you out. Uh, but then after that's uniform fit, and then you start and you do 13 weeks at the college. Sorry, yeah, you right. don't fit in the uniform. Imagine getting to that point. Yeah, be a bit off. So you do 13 13 weeks. What what are the ratios of smoke alarms? To actual work, yeah. So we do we do do a lot of fire alarms, and uh, you know we yeah, as is that like eighty eighty percent to twenty. It's what about depends. It just depends where you are. Um, you know, in the city, as you know, I'm in the city. Uh, we get a lot of fire alarms, but you know, I've been there long enough to go to some decent ones as well. So some you know, you got oh. decent decent jobs, as in you know, you, you go mm. to we've got some really high profile buildings and you mm. get the odd little fire there or a medical episode or car accident. And we do a lot of standbys at other stations too. So if another station, because I'm part of the rescue team in there, if another station out Liverpool or Bankstown go out for the day and do drill, we go replace them. So you get you do get a taste of other work in other areas. Mm. Um, but yeah, we do... We do a lot of fire alarms, but, um, you know, it's funny. The amount of jobs that I've been to where it's just been alarm operating, which is someone's local domestic fire alarms going off and yeah. someone rings triple out. Yeah, it's <laughs> been ringing and you get there and it's fire, It's through the roof. Um, you know, a lot of AFAs that do go off could be early detection mm. of an actual fire. So, you know, they're, they're good. Are they your most annoying calls? Like for us, I mean, oh, we have they, some... They, you know they are, but I, like it's, you, it's you weird. Get it on I your still know. Like, I just know. <laughs> I just know that when you're not prepared, or when it's the one where yeah. you're like, oh, you roll your eyes. It's actually a job. So mm. I've I've been in long enough to kind of go. You know, don't don't wish this. away. You know, don't the, get those, complacent. Don't get mm. yeah. don't get complacent. And um, you know, I'm just I'm six years in. I'm still as keen as ever. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Keen uh, bean. <laughs> keen bean. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a process to get in, but once you're in, um, it's a job for life. And yeah, nice. Yeah, you know what the the best thing about um, working with fireys that I've found as a as a paramedic is that whenever you need them, you know they're coming lights and sirens, yeah. and you're not going to be waiting the only, in scenes. Honestly, <laughs> very long. Only, I love it. The only time we don't use our sirens is for either an animal rescue or um, there's uh, going to be a, a lot standby. of upset yeah. listeners about that, Maxi. Yeah. The cat protection. No, no, no. Society, so yeah. we do like it depends what the animal rescue is. So if it is a cat in a tree, like you're yeah. having a laugh yeah. before, <laughs> it's funny. Don't you get on. You do get you do get called to them. Um, but yeah, like not all the time. Uh, with the animal red, like obviously depending on how serious it is, mm. but yeah, there's only I think two or three situations where you, you get put on by comms to go to, and it's yeah. not lights and sirens. Mm. So yeah. you always yeah, AFAs, and there's always <laughs> in the city you got two truck like every AFA fire alarm. Um, you get two trucks or like si- assigned to it. Yes. Yeah, so no matter what, like in the city, because in the city we have five trucks at our station. You know, going r- racing down Elizabeth Street, you just people are going like, "Oh, there's two <laughs> yeah. trucks. There must be something big going on." Yeah, Little I know, fire alarm. Fire alarm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like it's something about two trucks hooking through yeah. the streets. Yeah. Um, the noise. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's when it when it's on uh, when we get a full station turnout. That's that's mm. when it's like the adrenaline's it's pumping. Yeah. Um, Carl, I thought well, you were going to say your favourite thing was um, sliding down the pole. We got no. Poles I, I thought he was going to say recognizing. <laughs> 
recognizing people off the firefighter calendar every year if, when <laughs> all the fire is and they turn up and you go, oh, no, I don't, I don't know I that one. I don't have any of those. Thank you, That's Jen. Mm. Anyway, we're moving right along. <laughs> right along. Um, guys, we're, we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about your specific skill set uh, in the clinical corner uh, with a case study. But um, before we do, we're each going to share our most scariest moment on the job so far. It's very <laughs> dramatic music. If it doesn't have to be in a church, but if it's <laughs> in a church, even better. That's bonus points. Uh, but um, Jen, nowhere near as exciting. No, there was one. It's classic, like a stormy night when it was dark and cold, mm. and we get this job like an hour and a half away in this very questionable town with like one street oh. and the houses are just they look like tips like it's really anyway and so there's no radio reception either there's no radio reception it's completely dark and this house that we've been called to for like a concern for welfare oh, I hate a concern yeah i know classic welfare. classic <laughs> Um, has all of this, like, it's got like a burnt out car in yeah, the front. The and couch like on the front porch. Yeah, all this random stuff. <laughs> and I, that was actually, <laughs> life lesson learned, always pack your raincoat. Um, uh. Didn't have a raincoat, so I just had to stomp around in the dark, in the rain, with no <laughs> raincoat. <laughs> and I'm trying to like figure out where the door is, and then all of a sudden my partner's just disappeared, and I like literally spin around, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, where is she? <laughs> and then, yeah, classic, she jumps out from behind the burnt oh. car. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I don't good. think I've ever squealed so loud in my life uh-huh. oh, not bad mm. right, okay yeah. Maxie mm. what do you got uh, so I'll stick with the lifeguard theme mm-hmm. um, a few years ago it was about 8 to 10 foot surf really big surf and there was a fishing oh. boat around the corner mm-hmm. uh, call come through that a boat overturned up near the rocks yep. getting smashed by waves and there was two people clinging onto the boat uh, myself and a fellow lifeguard launched a jet ski um, went around there located them and uh, one of them was still just on top of the boat. The other one was kind of clinging for dear life as big sets were rolling in. And it was just enough uh, to kind of, uh, the currents were just enough to kind of feather him out a bit. But in between the sets, they were getting smashed by him. Oh. Um, so, yeah, we, I kind of thought really quickly and uh, jumped off with the rescue tube, swam over to the guy uh, up, up on the uh, top of the overturned boat, mm. put him around the rescue tube, took my life jacket off. Thinking about now, you know, probably not the smartest thing because of the whole safety thing, but I gave my life jacket to the other gentleman to keep him afloat because they didn't have life jackets. Wow. Um, And we managed to get him on the back of the jet ski. On the way back, uh, old mate decided to have signs and symptoms of a cardiac arrest. (laughs) Not ideal. Uh, We got back to shore, still in big surf because it was an easily swell. you're holding him onto this. Yeah, holding onto the the back of the jet ski. (laughs) Could you imagine holding someone (laughs) onto the stretcher? He was, was, all all the barnacles were on the bottom of the boat, so he's all sliced up and he had like, you know, the, the Rex Hunt. Um, he had the Rex Hunt kind of fishing shirt on and, you know, he's a bigger guy and he was, you know, middle age. He was just, you know, a bit of a battler and yeah. covered in blood, got him back to the shore and he had no, nothing left. And I dragged him up the beach and um, it was a good response from you guys. You guys were oh. down there quite quickly. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, as soon as he got back, as soon as we got him off the beach into the ambulance, he died twice on the way to hospital. Wow. We got him back. Thanks to yeah. you guys, and uh, yeah, oh, so that's probably you getting pr- probably the water, to be no, honest. but like it's it's scarier the <laughs> wow. fact that, that so many things could have gone wrong. Yeah. You know, he could have 
gone between the trip back from Ben Buckler back to the Bondi. We were on the jet ski for about 15-minute trip back to because yeah. we were on the cliffs there. Uh, big surf, anything could have happened. There so. are so many things in that that would scare yeah. me. Oh. Like, A, big surf. Anyone that knows me knows I'm an awful swimmer. But B, oh, my God, if you've got a yeah. bloody patient, you're going to have like seven sharks following you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah the true. blood. Yeah. I never thought about the blood. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll, just quick, I'll just quickly say, I won't go into too much because we've got stories, but uh, as a fiery uh, gas explosion. Uh, mm. restaurant fire in oh. Zetland. And when I was at Redfern Fire Station, we, t- we got caught to a restaurant fire. Um, it was an LPG cylinder in one of the rest- oh. uh, the kitchens yep. that was leaking. Every time we got to the ideal mixture, bang. Boom. Uh, two people severely burnt. Uh, we went in there to, to put it out. And as we were in there, it exploded again. <laughs> Uh, so that was quite. That was a good introduction to all the old firefighting yeah. style. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was a bit, that was a bit scary. Do, isn't it? Yeah, gosh. Well, yeah. Um, I love how Maxie's like life and death situations. <laughs> Mine is not so. Yours is like a lot of paperwork. <laughs> Mine's a lot of paperwork. It's pretty scary when you're like, oh, I when you leave them all for the end of the day. No, I did not do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel a bit stupid saying this, but. Um, uh, similar to Jen's <laughs> old. What are you uh, saying about my story? Uh, night, night time. <laughs> um, it's pitch black. We're going up to you know an old old lady's house. Uh, I think it was actually concerned for welfare too. Yeah. Anyway, we're walking up this long narrow footpath, and um, my partner turns around. Well. First of all, walk into the spider web, which is, (laughs) you know, scares the shit out of you. And then you're trying to rip it off. And as I'm like moving side to side to get the spider web off me, I look to the, in this tree and there's three stuffed gorillas in a frangipani bush (laughs) outside this old nana's home. Who the hell? Three stuffed gorillas. Yes. Wow. And then not to mention you walk inside and then. Dolls. Everywhere. Everywhere. That's creepy as. Creepy as. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's like uh, doing any sort of big wall, big wall kind of abseiling activities. There's always mm, like yeah. a healthy relationship with fear, and and uh, uh, if you can't do big wall <laughs> things, mate, you shouldn't be sighting. Uh, yeah, uh, but the, but in fact, <laughs> the, scari- the scariest moment I've ever had. I was on a, um, on a job with shortness of breath out on our farm. This lady was living in a shipping container at the back of a farm. It was the middle of summer. It was hot. And opened the door and there was this smell, this just UTI smell that was so uh. pungent, you know. Anyway, it's pretty long, scary. Long story short, and there's a lot in this story to unpack, but as I was doing my assessment of her, I could feel this like hot breath on the back of my <laughs> neck. And you know when you just do that, like that, you know, like the meme that's got the the, the drink bottle that's kind of like the squashed <laughs> yeah. your neck. Um, I looked around and there was a horse that was like <gasps> <laughs> sniffing my neck, yeah, in the, yeah, in the was, house, no, in the shipping container, oh, the shipping stuck container, its head sorry. through, and I was oh, wow. like, "What is this?" Um, Hello, Mr. Red. <laughs> that was real. That was really scary. Yeah, yeah you know what? That's fair. Was yeah. it nighttime or daytime? No, no, it was daytime. Oh, but well, like, come on, you know. Yeah, mate. But there's something about something breathing down the and back of your neck. Mm. It's yeah. a large animal. That is a big <laughs> animal. Uh, horses are pretty scary, aren't they? Do you know what? I'm actually mildly scared of cows. Uh, Have so you had a bad experience? No, <laughs> no, I just feel like they like lower their face and they stare oh, at you yeah, and you don't do. really yeah, know yeah, what yeah, mood yeah, they're in. Shifty. Uh, Apparently yeah, they they're like big dogs, but I won't believe it. Well, <laughs> you should ask Maxie, he's wearing R and William today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, I was, I'm pretty much a cowboy, so <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to know? All right, well, look, <laughs> guys, that's all we've got time for in the debrief today. We'll be right back, though, with the Clinical Corner. Stay with us. Celebrate our first birthday, theparamedicshop.com.au are giving you the chance to win the ultimate piece of paramedicine equipment, the Leatherman Raptor Trauma Shears. A product which needs little introduction comes with a 25-year guarantee and is packed with features to assist you on the front line. 
Valued at over $135, the Raptors now come in a range of colors to suit your personality. So, whether you're looking for a superior tool to enhance your practice or the perfect gift, you just can't go past a pair of these stunners. For your chance to win, jump onto our Facebook page at Rambling Ambos, like, share, and tag two friends in the competition post. For all the latest paramedic gear and equipment, jump onto the paramedicshop.com.au. The winner will be announced on episode five. Good luck. Welcome back to the Clinical Corner. It's a case conundrum today, but we're taking a bit of a focus on how fireys approach these sorts of jobs as well with mm. the addition of Maxie at the table. Maxie, it's, it's good to great be that here. you could Still? stick around. Yep. <laughs> um, Lee, you're going to run us through the, the case study. What have you got? Well, uh, it's, it is, seems appropriate to discuss a big MVA. Well, mm. we've got Maxie here because, um, you know, Fari's uh, uh, oftentimes the combat agency in uh, as rescue, as the rescue agency in getting patients out of cars. So this particular car accident was pretty, well, it was a very big car accident. It was a, a, a car full of um, youths, like sort of 16, 17 years mm. old, mm-hmm. um, driving at about 100, 110 kilometres, they assume. Uh, around a around a, a right-handed bend and lost control and hit a stationary uh, excavator, about a 30, 40 tonne excavator. And the excavator won, essentially. Mm. So the it was a front left-hand side impact, the passenger door and sort of the front of the, of the car, A pillar, B pillar, completely compressed. Um, and the, the f- essentially two patients in the front were trapped by compression. The two patients in the back were trapped because of their injuries, um, essentially. So yep. com- by confinement. Mm-hmm. I guess the first question I've got for you guys, and we'll start with you, Maxie, is um, if you in the in the tank in the in the truck uh, arrive first on scene to that, where do your priorities lie in terms of stabilizing the vehicle? Yep. Um, medical treatment. Yeah, what are you yep. thinking first? So it just depends. If, if we're in a uh, rescue pump, we have an SO with us. Usually it's a rescue SO and uh, he does a lot of the, we call it a windscreen kind of yeah. analysis. Yep. 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 Um, but if, you know, in the city, we've got a heavy rescue truck, it's usually me and a senior fiery. Mm. Um, so first things first is you, you make sure you, you're at the right place, yep. you read the right details, you rock up, you do a defend off position, um, you assess, as soon as you rock up, you give a, uh, an updated message to comms mm-hmm. um, depending on how serious it is so yeah. in that case it could be a red message saying yeah. we've got multiple patients yeah. would you um, get out of the, the truck yeah. by this point oh yeah so yeah. like you'd pull up uh, if i'm in the passenger mm-hmm. seat uh the driver already jumps out and probably grabs bits and pieces yeah mm-hmm. but i'll give an update to comms get to yeah, get ambos get police get yeah. fire protection here immediately because we've got multiple uh, and say patients. you're on scene then first f- for maybe like five ten minutes yep. before any other resources come yep What's your priorities of firing yep. in that sense? So, and then we do an outer and then an inner. So, outer assessment, and then as we're walking towards the vehicle, we do an inner assessment, and then we do initial stabilization for, for as much as we can. So, mm-hmm. initial initial stabilization could be anything from putting wheel chalk at the front wheel to pulling up the handbrake if you yeah. can get in the car um, to obviously. Com- not so much comfort the patients, but yeah. just reassure reassurance yeah, is a them. massive yeah, thing as yeah. a first responder. Yeah. yeah. Um is you know, everything's gonna be okay, we've got to get you what out. About, um, what about removing patients from the vehicle? 
Yeah, so we would start to get to work once the initial stabilization would work out that, okay, we've got this excavator. Mm. I'll make sure that's not going anywhere, which yeah, it won't yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, the car's, you know, the front left uh, is impacted quite severely. Uh, we'll make sure we get initial stabilization on the the car to make sure it doesn't move. Yeah. And then, yeah, we'll get the tools out, which is our shears and our, our combi. Um, we would make sure that, obviously, before we do any cutting, we'll do patient protection, yes. well, well, that's uh, any, okay. any initial first aid. Like, for me, with a bit of a first aid background and first aid mind, obviously, yeah. if I see someone bleeding out, like yeah. I'll try and yeah. stop the bleeding. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I was thinking about. Job, would you often find yourself having to work against your instincts to do some of that other work? around extrication rather than treatment of the patient? Um, well, we've always been told is, you know, protect life, protect property, and then protect the environment. They're the three things. So for me, as an individual, yep. um, you know, protect life. And if yeah. and if this person is, uh, you know, multiple people, you do the old triage system. Yep. Multiple What's your triage system? Yeah, well, probably be different. We're not yeah. we're not quite medical yeah. first responders. So but how for, would you do it? Uh, for me, you know, if obviously someone is incompatible with life or mm-hmm. if something's really not right, um, you know, if they're unconscious and they're yeah, well, quite like, clearly deceased, then you know, I'll probably do the right thing of put a sheet or something yeah, just yeah. to mm-hmm. kind of knowing that there's people in the car, try and eliminate them seeing that you mentioned tourniquet before yep. so Tor- yeah. yeah tourniquet i'll just try and stop the bleeding if they're conscious and they're talking to you and you can see that they're starting to go white and they're starting to really mm. you know it's quite obvious that they're bleeding out mm. then i would i'll definitely as a as a first responder i'll definitely try and stop the bleeding um but uh in a perfect world that's very important to make sure that you give that windscreen mm, analysis yeah. well, it's like because the- there's been times and i'm sure you guys oh it's just an mva yeah mva you sometimes when they go big through the printout and through the through the comms, they're like, "Oh, NVA person's trapped, multiple people, yeah. uh, numerous triple O calls, blah, blah, blah." And you get there, and it's nothing. It's nothing, yeah. Mm. But there's, that's why I think it's very important because if it's just an NVA, but yeah, well, it's like it's people, like you need to make sure the NVAs large, are coming on a large scale. It's DRS, isn't yep. it? So you're danger, you respond, and yep. you're sending for help, mm. which yep. is your calling us mm. back. So Jen and and Carl, I guess, a little bit more directed at you guys. I want to hear your triage process here. So um, front, so rear rear passengers. Okay, so mm. rear passengers are trapped by uh, because of by confinement. So they have back pain, and um, that's that's kind of it. Okay, so back pain and they had some minor head injury, so they're a bit confused. Mm-hmm. Driver, uh, bilateral radius ulnar fractures and mm-hmm. left femur fracture with com- with some compression. And then the front passenger, so the fourth patient, was completely compressed. The only access we had to this patient was left hand and we could see the left side of her face. Okay, so um, – and by the time we arrived, she was fitting. Mm. So what's your – where's your – Head go with triage there. Who do you go to first? There's only the two of you on scene. Well, this is why I invited a guest onto the show. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, look, it's a tough it's one, hard, especially it's when it's it. yeah mm. when when resources are limited. Mm. And if it's Jen and I in the same car, mm. um, I'd be giving that windscreen report. <laughs> You're <laughs> on the radio, Jen. Right, you. Get off the fence, Jen. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, um, I mean, I'd stick to what we know, which for for me and I guess for us is using the smart triage system. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I mean, without vitals, but kind of going off mm. of that report, you've still got your front passenger appears your most critically mm-hmm. unwell. So they're your red patient, but they're yep. also probably your priority one. Yep. Um, your, I guess if I go to the rear passengers, I mean, they're not green because they can't walk, but I might kind of assume them to be 
uh, yellow, orange. Less red. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah there's exactly. There's a sliding scale here, I think. It yeah. is, it is. And I think and, – and then obviously your front driver would be kind of priority two. So you've got mm. passenger priority one, driver priority two, and then the, the one back that's two, fitting priority, priority three. Two? Yeah. No, priority one, yeah, I would okay. say. Yeah, um, and I think – I mean, because they're not dis- – like they're very close to being deceased, I guess. They're yeah. the most at risk. Yeah. And if there's only two of us uh, – Are they all, um, <laughs> apart from that, driver conscious and breathing? Uh, apart from the passenger, conscious and breathing. Yeah. Yeah, the, pa- the front seat passenger was, we were all conscious. Was the one that's fitting. Yeah. 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 I think that, I mean, without being there and without seeing it, like you do, there's also that balance of where are your resources best placed. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I guess yeah. between the driver and the passenger. Yeah. That's good because I, I, that's where we went, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, come to think of it too is knowing, hopefully a good rescue operator would identify that the other person is very close. Yeah. Um, you know, depending mm. on how you said go to the, the back and the back and try and try and maybe you can move them out of the car, obviously with care or try and get over them to check on the other patient. Or I'll just let them know that what we're going to do, we're going to do a couple of quick cuts, yep. get that door off. Because yep. um, the thinking about it now, the driver's door shouldn't be impacted. So you might yep. be able to open that door, get the ram in there, Clear her, like get mm. her um, uncompressed, get mm. her out as quick as you can mm. with mm. the mini. We've got a half spinal board, get her out, yeah. and then you guys have yeah. full yeah. access to the quick the, question the main for person. you. Do you guys ever sort of, for lack of a better word, skull drag patients out? Yeah, well, the, I personally haven't done it because all the ones that have been quite slow, as you, you've been in many jobs where mm. you know, if the compressions, it's all kind of okay, slow down, yeah, let's yep, just yep. get this person um, out um, safely and well. But there has been stories and case studies that we have studied where, you know, we're doing everything by the book, you know, doing the patient protection and all these sort of things. And then they go, hey, if you don't get this person out now, they're going to die. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, training wise, I mm-hmm. have trained for that. Mm-hmm. And okay, you know, cut the crap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's get let's get the shear. We got on the heavy rescue, we got quite powerful shears mm-hmm. and um, spreaders mm-hmm. and they can crush and spread. Yeah. So get them to work. Cut, well, fortunately, cut. So this... Fortunately, this car bounced off the excavator, so we're not sort of stuck up against okay. it. Yeah, it was, it was right. very, very heavily um, crushed and lots of intrusion into the cabin, but not stuck up against the excavator. Yep. So that's what we did with uh, Jen and Carl. We um, we split, we divided our, our resources, and we, we actually had more resources turn up very, very soon after that. So fortunately, we had more Ambos than I gave you guys the option for. <laughs> uh, ended up, I ended up treating uh, with my partner the, the fitting patient um the other three were extricated in a timely manner and uh but this this fitting patient like i said we had access to her left arm and the side of her face Mm. so with that in mind with maxi doing his thing and actively working to free this patient what's your medical treatment going to be in this instance well i guess number one is is her her airway yep um and and if she's still fitting you know, there's not much room if she's compressed into that vehicle, but just trying to to, to keep her safe, I guess. Yeah. Um, if her arm's out, then um, potentially uh, cannulation, yep. but also perhaps even some intramuscular medaz just yep. to <coughs> cease the um, the fitting. And then Absolutely. that way that might be able to, you might be able to manage that airway a little bit more effectively. Oh, totally agree, yep. Um, and then cannulate to perhaps, yep. yeah, yep. go yep. from there and, and getting some fluids 
monitor. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's exactly what we did. We did uh, cannula. We created some intravenous medaz. Um, we slowed a seizure activity down. We we're able to access her airway. Popped a couple of adjuncts in there. Um, threw up some fluids, and we're able to just support her blood pressure a little bit, knowing that too much was just going to dilute her, mm. etc. Um, and we got to the point where the medical team had arrived. Uh, and in my mind, being a pretty young paramedic at this stage, the paramedic from the aircraft was walking towards me he was like backlit with music <laughs> yeah. going and he's like holding his helmet under his arm yeah. it's pretty cool. top gun yeah yeah uh and he got there and he said um to the fiery how long has she been trapped and uh he said oh 45 minutes mate it's been a long time he said cool you got 90 seconds to get her out of the car yeah. otherwise we're taking her leg off which is what she was still trapped by yeah so max <laughs> you're faced with that um with that yeah, yeah right you're yeah. faced with sort of like a, a, a traumatic amp or a, a, a surgical amputation yeah. of a limb or work fast. Yep. Can you work fast? You can. It's just got to. You just got to pick your your points where you can spread off, or mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, uh, what I say it's not so much spread off, but we'll you separate can the separate structure. So yeah. I'm just saying, if you did you at this stage, you got the drivers driver out. Yeah. So everyone else was out. Okay. Now. So yep. in in a perfect world, um, I'd come over the top and try and get the combi, or sorry, the spreaders in somewhere where I can. Yeah. If I could. Yeah. Um, and try and get it off that way. If that's not a good, uh, if that's not the, the case, mm. try and um, just chip away at the door as yeah. quick as you can. Because mm. yeah. you guys it's, can do a dash roll. Yeah, yeah we do yeah. dash lift and dash yeah. push. Yeah. So um, I would do all those things, mm. but like I'm just visualizing that whole thing just crumpling. Yeah. So her, how her, her foot actually had gone through the floor pan. Yep. And was underneath the left front tire. Yep. So that's where she was yeah, trapped right. by. Mm. So does that change? That makes it, it harder. All? Yep. So oh, okay. So I'd think that you'd just eat away at the the footwell, just closer to the front wheel, yep. if you could. If that's all crushed in, then yeah, like yeah. you'd probably just yeah, you'd have so to get the recip sore out or, or I mean, something. Um, uh, if I was that flying doctor, I'd say, look, this is what's happening. Can you do this or can't you do this? Yeah. Rather than you've got no seconds. Yeah, but yeah, well, that's no, no. why you're he's not probably, a yeah. doctor on the chopper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably so, know that the equipment, like he's probably, old mate probably knows yeah, what true, we have and what true. we're capable of. Yeah. Um, he's probably gone, look, these hydraulics to work. Um, yeah. you know, some, some of those and, hydraulic and tools. And f- I think the, the really important part to note there is that they had a, a mitigate, they had a, a contingency plan in place. Mm. Cool. Yeah, you yeah, have 90 cool. seconds to do this. If you don't, we're taking a leg off. That's not your fault. Sometimes you can't do it. It's good to know that paramedics use that kind of same system. As a rescue operator, you have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan mm, D, yep. and you're a good operator where you can already have, if one thing fails, you've got another thing to line up. There's yep. nothing worse where they go, okay, what now? Mm, I don't know. Uh, so you always got to have a few mm. things up your sleeve. As, yeah. as paramedics, mm. as a fiery, as a life, anything, you need to have other options because, as you yeah, know, yeah. things don't mm. run smoothly. That's and something I found with special operations yeah. training is that that is something that is so ingrained. You got to think, in and you got to go do with the gut feel as well. Yeah. Um, there's times where you might be—I'm not saying bending the rules and that—but there might be a few practices that you've been taught and trained to never do. But like in life and death situations, this lady's going to yeah. lose her leg. You've okay, just—it's it. like um, it's like the whole stabilization for if someone's under a car. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. our spreaders are well and truly enough to lift that car yeah. off that patient, but it's the not whole, what designed oh, for. we'll get yeah. airbags mm. and we'll do yeah, this and we'll yeah. stabilize them. We'll one, two, three, everyone up. Like, mm, you, yeah. you, you know, you, when you snatch and grab, um, mm. same as fires, you know, you, 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 make that, you make that decision, you run with it. And if they come back and say, hey, why'd you make that decision? Yeah. Well, this person's alive because yeah. of it. Well, that's mm. a good segue there, I guess, isn't it? So you've got, um, you've got a, a house fire and it's well alight yep. and you know that there's potential for patients to be inside. 
what are your actions on in terms of entering that on yeah. fire okay. building? Yep. So a lot, of, a lot of people are very... Um, a lot of people don't realise how toxic smoke is, mm. how bad it is for you. Mm. So you've got a fully involved house. You're looking at that. As a fire, I'm looking at that. And I'm going, okay, every room is fully involved. Smoke's for the, you know, the fire's for the roof. If someone is alive in that house, they're not alive anymore. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so okay. you kind of... It's 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 a funny one because uh, you know you see in the movies it's like oh you know the house on fire yeah, it's, it's raging yeah. but the fires go fires go in yeah we go in as best we can most yeah. of the time but if the place is fully involved we know that there's no one alive in there yeah so right. why, why risk ourselves and why risk so if you other, have like a fire downstairs two story home yep two unaccounted people for up upstairs the yep so I I hundred percent would be going in um, yep. assessing the situation obviously um, fire signs knowing what the color smoke is yep. knowing if it's a well ventilated fire. Mm. knowing if it's underventilated. Um, Structural th- integrity, does that bring in? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Account? Yeah, if you're in a fibro, you know, yeah, yeah. fibro house yeah. and, you know, the whole back end of it's um, fully alight, you yeah. know that the, it's not roof, take long the, the tiles collapse. on the roof are going to start coming through, which it does happen. But to answer your question, if it, let's just say the back kitchen uh, and, you know, that the stair, the staircase is kind of, let's just say it's a terrace, you kind of know a lot of the time, especially in Darlinghurst and a few of those terraces, you got a couple of places yeah. where the, the stairways kind of down Overlap. the hallway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you might you might take that gamble and go, look, we're going in. Mm. Um, we have one crew going down with fire attack front and then we have a res- search and rescue team. Yeah, with okay. it. We oh, always okay. go in with a line. So yep. if a search and rescue team goes up, they have a line with them. Yeah. So we'll A line always, being a hose. Uh, yeah. Yep. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <the> terminology. <laughs> um, so yeah, like um, so it's, cool. it's, a t- it's a tough one, but a lot of people, um, you know, you, you need to – and it's as selfish as it is, you need to make sure that you, you yourself is okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, 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 the you principle, you yeah. f- yourself, others, and the unfortunate. And a yeah. lot of the time you need to, you know, if you're, if you're no good, then yeah. your crew are going to be no good. That person's definitely no good. So it's a kind of like an ongoing, mm-hmm. ongoing. Quick question, just in about a house fire that I've been to, a yep. house explosion. Um, you know, I've had uh, two adults and a child jump from the first level of yep. the house. Uh, the two adults with significant burns yep. and the child with query airway burns. Um, so you've now got three patients at the front and you've yep. got a house fire, a house on fire. Yep. Do any of you, from a patient perspective, kind of move the patients away or try and do basic Yeah, yeah, first definitely. Aid so or? if they're the motor driver, um, you could have a first aid reel to kind of, you know, maybe um, cool down the patients mm-hmm. with their, with our um, first aid reel hose, yep. which is yeah, like right. kind of right at the back, um, which we... That I ga- didn't even know you had a first yeah, aid reel. Yeah, so we have a first aid reel at the back of the truck and then we obviously have other, like we call them 38s and 70s. We have other lines coming off. Um, but yeah, you would, you would, you know, if I was motor driving, I know the other crew in there fighting the fire, um, you know, I'll yeah. go over and... You know, give them quick, yeah, okay. quick, yeah. quick wash down. Uh, in saying that though, we have our first aid kit where we have burn, yeah, um, burn aid, and, burn all, that. aid mm. and all that sort of stuff. But mm. I'd make sure that bring the so one of you, so yeah. one of you would attend to some yeah, of the yeah, yeah. Whilst yeah. The rest of you. A lot of the time, we're probably with the motor driver, yeah, because the motor driver's already maybe got water in and water out, um, and the crew, internal crew, are trying to fight the fire and or trying to protect the exposures. Because if the whole house is gone. Then you go, okay, that place is gone, but the side of the house is starting to connect to the other yeah, house. Yeah, so yeah. we kind of, we kind of, we yeah. we protect property, 
um, by making sure that if, if it's like a factory, a factory is going yeah. and you know that either side is a, there's a, there's a, Let the factory there's a car, go there's to a, save ke- the others. Yeah. yeah there's a, a mechanics next door and then there's a chemical plant mm. next door. <laughs> like you're throwing water to make sure you're protecting those because yeah. the whole row will go, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like TNC, yeah, right. we make sure the people are, are safe mm. and well, and you said severely burnt. So depending on if the guys picked it up in the first place that mm. the, Sometimes there's been cases where people have jumped down the side passage mm. and they're just patients down the side them. and they haven't found them. Yeah, mm. So that's why when I do the fire safety and the education side of thing, I tell kids, I say, make sure you have a meeting place out in front of your house or at yeah. your neighbor's house. Don't meet at the backyard because mm. yeah. you know we're always treating every job as, okay, it's it's 10 o'clock at night. You know, 10 o'clock at night, people are... The cars are in the driveway. Yeah. Where are the people? Yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah, I always tell the kids, make sure if there's a fire in your home and... You know, ring triple O, you tell them, you say, look, my house is on fire, but we're, we're, all, account- yeah, we're all accounted for. Yeah, well, cool. that's actually a really good message. And um, look, that's probably all we've got time for <laughs> today. Maxi, no, mate, it's <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much uh, for coming on and, you know, Live, Learn, Survive. It's such an awesome program. Your books that you've, uh, that you've written as well. Yeah, like, so uh, hats off to you, mate. And yeah, hats off guys. to all the fireys that uh, are out there that, that help us out. Yeah. And the lifeguards. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, and the lifeguards. <laughs> but no, yeah. thanks for having me on and, you know, what you guys do yeah. is an amazing job and i'm fortunate to work with jen I, I know and my cousin that's in the job i, I hear a lot of great stories you guys do oh, that the geez. public don't usually hear about so hats off to you guys oh, mm. thanks mate Jeez, well mate. uh look maybe we might make a calendar one day i'm not too I hope sure you do. But, uh, i'll be the first person to buy it <laughs> Thank Kyle's you. on the front cover but um look guys uh, we we did touch on um some uh suicide earlier on in the show and if that has brought up anything for you guys just please contact lifeline 13 11 14 reach out to you to your mates your support networks and family but um maxi your emergency driving song today what is it uh, well, it's it's actually uh, Jimmy Barnes and Tina Turner, <laughs> simply the best, T-T. because I've been in a situation where I've driven down <laughs> Elizabeth Street. And if you look, if you listen to the lyrics, it's "I call you, I need you, my heart's on fire." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, oh, in I a big I red truck, big red up, truck, like hit it. the rumbler, get the get the big air horn going. going through the, the Liverpool Street and that blaring. Um, I was That's very great. fortunate to have the SO that loves you singing too, and. Yeah, we're belting it down to a, to a fire alarm call. I have to give that one a, give, give that one we'll a roll. Give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time for, guys. Maxi, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you to everyone listening in at home. We love your support. Until next time, stay safe. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.